Welcome to the Knit British Podcast. Knit British takes you on a journey through all the connections of Britishness in wool and knitting, and meeting the people involved from sheep to skein. I am your host, Louise Scully. On today's show, I have a fantastic interview for you with Sylvie from Phileas Yarns. She dropped round to Knit British last month. We talk about upcoming events and colour inspirations and the Indie Bury Yarn Crawl. Also on today's show, I have uh, Karina Westerman over for a chat about this thing of paper and I announce the winner of the Knitting Goddess giveaway. So grab a whip. Grab a drink and let's get going. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Knit British podcast. And this is your little extra podcast, pre-midweek hump as well. I hope that you have been enjoying the long weekend, the bank holiday weekend, and you've uh, managed to get up to some fantastic things and um, had some fantastic weather. I am squeezing in this little extra episode this month because I am taking a break from the podcast in June and I will be back in July. So I thought it would be really good to just squeeze in an extra episode while I still could. I have no notes today. I am totally winging it. <laughs> so I do apologise for any ums and ahs and slight deviations and distractions. I detract from the subject most of the time, even when I have comprehensive notes. So it's not too much of a problem, hopefully. There's a lot to get through this episode. Uh, first up, and most importantly, I have an announcement for you of the winner of the Knitting Goddess giveaway that was recently run in the Knit British Ravelry group. And the fantastic Joy McMillan has had one skein left of her undyed Wensleydale and Shetland four ply, which is the last skein of the batch that she had first spun. She's now waiting on the second batch to be spun and she thought it would be really lovely to give you the chance to put your own bespoke colourway upon that uh, skein and have a chance at winning it. So she published a short list on her blog at the last week uh, which I put a link to in the Ravelry group and I am absolutely delighted to tell you that the winner that Joy eventually chose from that shortlist is Just Joe who posted a beautiful picture of bluebells and uh, in a bluebell wood and this is what just Joe had to say when she entered the competition. She says, This is the back of the woods at our local scout camp, which my lovely daughter would like to submit for your consideration. She spends hours playing here. It's one of her favourite places and she loves the shades of green and purple. I love that Just Joe's daughter wanted to to enter that particular picture for a colourway. And when she posted about the shortlist, this is what Joy had to say about the picture. She said, I love how the colour of the flower shifts as they move through the photo and the suggestion of the bark on the path makes the blue and green pop. I will put a picture in the show notes or link to the her comment in the show notes so that you can see that fantastic picture. Congratulations, Just Joe. You are going to have those colours inspired from that picture 
Hand dyed for you on a skein of Wensleydale and Shetland four ply by the Knitting Goddess. This is such a very, 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 very special prize. Everyone who entered, I just loved all of your suggestions. You, you all did so well. Um, some of you had poems, some of you had quotes, some of you used pictures, and you were really asked to to be creative and suggest what those which colours were suggested to you from that source. Some of you just posted a picture and didn't say anything. Hmm. But most of you really, really, really went with it. And I'm just so uh, pleased that you all entered this competition with such gusto. And thank you very much uh, for that. And thank you so very, very, very much to Joy again. And I will contact Just Joe and put you in touch with Joy uh, for how you go about getting your incredible prize. Um, and please do keep your ears pricked up for more Knitting Goddess news coming up later in the summer here at Knit British. Don't you remember I told you there's a microphone Now, coming up Saturday, the 11th of June, is this year's Indieborough Yarn Crawl. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, or if you are a regular on the knitting scene in uh, Edinburgh and Scotland, you will know of the Indieborough Yarn Crawl. I think this is the third year. The day is organised by Jessica James of Ginger Twist Studio and the three independent yarn stores in Edinburgh, Ginger Twist, Cathy Snits and Be Inspired, form the Indieborough Yarn Crawl. You get yourself a yarn passport from all of the participating yarn stores. You get a stamp at each shop on the journey and I think there will also be discounts and goodies for you. Just flash your yarn passport to get that. And that's the challenge, to spend a lovely day in Edinburgh, wandering around yarn shops, having a fantastic time. We are crossing our fingers for glorious weather. Um, but if that wasn't enough for you, there is also going to be a pop-up market. Now the last time I mentioned this in the podcast I said that the pop-up market was at Ocean Terminal and it's changed. It's at the Safari Lounge and the pop-up market is going to be downstairs in the lounge and the after party is going to be in the Safari Lounge and if you were there last year uh, you will have attended. The Safari Lounge is at 21 Kadzau Place just along from Ginger Twist Studio. Um, they do great um, sort of South African food and fantastic beers on tap if you like that kind of thing but the hangout will be um, after the shop's shut until late uh, you can uh, pop by there for the market and you can also come by the raffle stall and leave your completed yarn passport where you will be entered in the prize draw for even more goodies how does that sound do you think you're up for that not only is all that going on? Also, at Kathy's Knits from 
8am till 3pm. Kate Davies is going to be there launching the Book of Haps. So really, really, really special day made even more special, I would say. There's loads of information at www.gingertwiststudio.com and find the menu for Indiebury Iron Crawl. There's information on buses, there's information on how to do your crawl, which shops you might want to start at, different options. I was there last year, it was a great day, it was lovely to meet so many good pals and um, have a really lovely woolly, crafty, creative um, afternoon after all the crawling. So hopefully see you there. Let me know. Let me know if you're coming. Comment on the on the show notes or drop us a line in the Knit British Ravelry group and it'd be great to see you there. some really great news. If you looked at my blog this week, you'd have seen a post called Reasons to be Cheerful, Books, Books, Books. I have a look at a few new and forthcoming books, including Jane Burns' Lazy Sunday Socks. I talk a little bit about Kate's Hap book. I look at Rennie Callahan's uh, Zen Variations new sweater collection. And I also mention Carrie Westerman's This Thing of Paper Kickstarter, which launched on Monday the 23rd and within 25 hours was fully funded, which is just awesome. I spoke to Carrie and recorded a little interview with her uh, on the Thursday before the Kickstarter went live. At that point, she was getting ready to go down, uh, down south to England to do some teaching and thinking about the next step of the book, taking the all the ideas and everything from her and putting that forward in this Kickstarter campaign. And as I say, the £9,700, which she initially set out to raise, was raised within 25 hours. And right now, as I record this, it might be different by the time it goes out, but right now it has raised over 13000 pounds and I'm just so ecstatic for her and I know that you will join me in congratulating Carrie. I still want to play this little ex this little interview that I did with her. I was very keen to ask her a little bit about the yarn involved with making the project and just a little bit about the inspiration behind this thing of paper. Carrie, welcome to Knit British and thank you for popping in because I know you're really busy. Yeah. At the moment, just on the precipice of going down south. <laughs> and by the time that this goes out, then your fantastic, exciting Kickstarter will be live. It will be, yeah. <laughs> it's it's come but, around so quickly. I felt like, I feel like it's just yesterday I started talking about it and suddenly, you know, it's here. But how long have you been thinking about it before you started talking about it? I think it? I first started talking to people about it in 2012, which is a long time ago. I, I initially thought I was going to do a collection that was entirely handwritten and, and illuminated and would look like a medieval manuscript. And then I thought, how am I going to deal with um, errata and pattern support <laughs> if people can't actually read black lettering? which is sort of the gothic <laughs> way of... So, yeah, I, I dismissed that idea, but it's it's been in my head since 2012. 
it's been a long time coming. Yeah, it's here. And I think the most interesting fact about this whole project is your inspiration. Do you want to talk a little bit about why manuscripts and the printed word um, and all of those associated things are so important to you? Well, I don't think a lot of people know this, but I've got a background in book history back when I used to be very clever. Um, I, I did a lot of work on book history and the emergence of English as a literary language, i.e. the age of Chaucer and Piers Plowman and things like that. And I got really interested in seeing how uh, the invention of the printing press influenced that sort of literature. And I, I did a lot of work on it. And then fast forward a lot of years, I'm here now thinking, you know what, I'm so super interested in, in all of this book history and book production. And since people have been asking me to do a physical book, I, I couldn't really help myself with taking that literally <laughs> and combining a lot of interests. Um, partly there's so much visual inspiration to glean from manuscripts and early printed books. I mean, if if a lot of the manuscripts weren't actually illuminated, but if you look at the illuminated manuscripts, they're just so beautiful. The same thing goes for, for early printed books. And um, for me, it's just such a visual feast to play around with all the things that I could see visually, but also there are so many stories, so many stories. To Just today, I was looking into um, something called the colophon, which is uh, a little printer's mark left at the beginning of a book and how they were used to curse people taking books out of the library and never returning them. <laughs> I mean, it's just, the whole thing is so filled with sort of little stories like that. So it's just, yeah, that's that's where, you know, I could tell so many stories and why not tell them through knitting? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's that's incredible. Beast, yeah. And it's and it's such as it's something that's so that you can tell is so rooted in you, like mm-hmm. Doggerland, and mm-hmm. like how that was a very different inspiration, but mm-hmm. something that just so so important to you. And I think uh, as yet you've just given us little sneaky peeks, and mm-hmm. you're keeping it all a little bit um, exclusive at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I wonder if, like Doggerland, you have a very specific color palette and a very specific. I do sort of aesthetic for for um what you want to make these designs out of Doggerland what was it was it was for those of you who don't know it was a collection based upon Mesolithic archaeology and the landscape that's now covered by the North Sea the landscape between Great Britain and Scandinavia and I was sort of basing that upon finds um little glimpses of a civilization lost really or landscape lost um and I sort of spent a lot of time thinking about the palette there and I, I ended up using undyed yarns actually and one specific green that I knew would have been visible at that time. Whereas now with the manuscripts and the only printed books, they're still here. We still have so many artifacts. Um mm. and I spent a lot of time going through and sort of finding the pigments. I mean, we can't recreate a lot of the pigments that we used back then for various reasons, but there are some very strong colours that go that reoccur, rich dual colour derived from minerals. How would I be able to translate that into a colour palette that I would be able to use? So unlike Doggerland, with manuscripts, I have 
artifacts that I can actually use. I, I can sort of trace colors, minerals, pigments, um, and also just sort of the feel of the paper and the vellum that we used. And I've, I've actually sort of sold out yarns that reminded me of the feeling that I get when I touch vellum. Um, wow. Yeah, well... I get a bit nerdy sometimes. And then <laughs> I've really been quite conscious of, of the materiality of it all, how, how things feel in my hands when I'm working with them, which is one of the big aspects about this thing of paper, the stuffiness or the thinginess of the thing itself. Um, but also just looking through these books and noticing certain motifs reoccurring, a lot of geometrics, a lot of little tiny borders, a lot of stars on the back on a background of really rich dual colors and i'm sort of thinking how can i make this wearable how can i make this contemporary because it's never my goal to recreate fashion mm. of the 15th or 16th century it's more how can i actually take take this visual sumptuousness and recreate not recreate but re translate it into something we'd wear today and again with that feeling and 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 sense of touch that we have as knitters and as readers as well still intact so that's what i've been working on you've said to me before um that you're really interested in trying to translate a little bit of knit local into the yarns that you've used i should also say that you've got 10 items Ten um, for this book Three of them are garments, is that mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In the same way that the colours presented, and you said that you sought out wool that had the same feel and the same materiality, mm -hmm. was it quite an easy job then to, to pick well, yarn? Well, I'm, I'm very passionate about knitting local, about supporting yarn that's not been, you know, on a jet plane throughout the world, something that's close to me. Um, I'd be working together with blacker yarns in order to source yarns that would really work for the garments and I think we kind of cracked the code there uh, in terms of yarns that that with character character and, and, and sense you know tactileness mm. sort of really goes to the heart of of, of the project because um, it's important to me that we sort of start thinking about I mean, things like the manuscript were produced in very specific locations, and you would have huge flocks of sheep that would just produce that would just be there for for the production of of vellum. Um, mm. And there's a whole connection there again between sheep flocks of sheep and wool and vellum things that you know are there to to be. Um, I'm trying to find the right phrase here but but things are there for another purpose and and there's a connection there that i'm still tr trying to get into words i think though is that not one of the things about putting into creation something that you mm. love so dearly and you can see all these connections it's so very very grabbable it's so very tangible yeah. that it's, you know and it sometimes it can be quite overwhelming to try and actually put into words how important that is to you even though you feel it part of the design process as well absolutely absolutely and I, I tend to think of knitting as handwriting in a sense because we we all have the same tools and we all have the same materials um whether that be knitting needles and wool or a piece of vellum and a quill, and we all come up with something that's different and that's unique to us. So we may be doing the same thing, but we all create something that's special to us, and I think that's one of the connections that I'll be writing about as well. 
that's brilliant. I would say to your listeners, you've been quite bad going, Kerry, could you tell me about it? Kerry, could you say more? <laughs> I think more and more, we as knitters love projects, designs, books that have another level, that aren't just pattern from a, from a, a commercial yarn pattern house that has no story behind it or you can't connect the the thing that you make to someone else and also have the backstory of where that inspiration comes from and I think it's a really powerful thing and I think it's something that people really invest in. And lucky for me because I don't know how to do it otherwise. <laughs> I was, I was, well, thank God that you I don't. I was having this conversation with a designer not long ago uh, where, she, where she was sort of turning to me and said, I don't get how you do it, the whole story aspect of it. To me, I just make stuff that's beautiful and I put it out there. And I said, but that's what you can do that I can't do because I always start with a story in my head and I have to translate it into knitting. And and we all have different strengths. So, But I'm kind of lucky that people like that I have to tell stories because I don't know what I'd do otherwise. And this is, you know, literally and figuratively telling a story, mm. making a book. It's a big circle and it's a really, really fantastic thing. And I just wish you all the very oh, best with the Kickstarter. And I know that all of the Knit British listeners um, wish you that as well. And we will be, well, obviously, we will have all donated by now because it's open. But um, I'm very, very best of luck with it. And Thank you so um, much. I hope you will come back on British when it's out. And um, Oh, I would love up. to. And then I can actually tell you all the things you want to know. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> look at some of those stories within the stories and thank you Carrie so much for that and um, best of luck with this thing of paper. Oh thank you so much Louise thank you. So thank you so much to Carrie for t- uh, taking the time to record that with me and again huge congratulations and we look forward to welcoming you back on the podcast when that book is out and is a physical thing of paper and ink and uh, we can talk more about it then. Other thing that I wanted uh, to mention in terms of dates for the diary, of course, um, 11th of June is Indiebury Yarn Crawl. 4th of June is Leeds Wool Festival at Armley Mill. Lots, lots, lots of fun happening there next week. I had a fantastic email from Tracy Holdwide-Smith, who is one of the organisers, um, who who sent me sort of a programme of, of activities. And there is Knit and Hapshaw uh, class with Carrie Westman, two-handed colourwork uh, classes. There are over 20 stall holders at the marketplace. There's living history reenactments of mill workers and at the mill workers' cottages. There is spinning demonstrations, natural dyeing exhibition, the mills, mule and steam engines will be working. Apparently there will be lambs to pet in the garden, which is lovely. Alpacas will be there. There's going to be two showings of the full-length version of the film Addicted Sheep because there is a historic cinema there. Um, Lots and lots and lots of fantastic stuff happening at Armley Mills in Leeds and of course 
if you listened to last episode, you would have heard Joy say uh, that the Knitting Goddess is also going to be, be there. Um, it's, apart from the classes with Carrie, it's very, 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 very reasonable door price. Uh, £3.80 and there's going to be live music and dance performances and um, as I say fantastic vendors too um, very much hand-picked um, so if you are able to get to Leeds next Saturday then I would suggest that that would be a fantastic day out for you um, another thing that's happening on the 5th of June which is the day after is Farm Sunday, which is the farming industry's annual open day. It's a day where hundreds of farmers all over the country welcome visitors into their farms to discover more about the world of farming. If you go to farmsunday.org, you can uh, find out which farms uh, in your area you can visit and what is happening there. So that's going to be a fantastic event and I'm sure there will be lots of things happening in your area. So that's farmsunday.org. Next up, I have an interview with Sylvie, who is the dyer of Phileas Yarns. Now, Sylvie, who is originally from France, used to live in Edinburgh and uh, in the last uh, year or so moved to York, where she began dyeing uh, as a little creative sideline. Uh, and it, I think, quickly quickly took over into being an obsession. Uh, Sylvie popped around to KBHQ uh, in April when we uh, recorded this interview. Uh, we talk about Sylvie's background and how she is drawn to colour. We talk about um, her travel inspirations. We talk about um, the upcoming events such as the Indiebury Yarn Crawl and also um, a new event which is happening in July called Yarningham. Yarningham takes place in Birmingham. It's a brand new show for the area. It's on the 16th and 17th of July at Tritchley Baths. Day tickets are £5 in advance or £7 on the door and they've got some incredible exhibitors including of course Sylvie, uh, Beyond Measure, Textile Garden, Toft are going to be there, Yarn Gardener are going to be there. Um, so as a little uh, addition to uh, what we talk about, uh, there's a website which is www.stitchesandhose.co.uk. Uh, there are also going to be workshops as well. So if you are in the Birmingham area, this is going to be a really fantastic yarn show um, for you. Sylvie and I also talk a little bit about upcoming pattern collection featuring her yarn by the awesome Claire Devine and uh, this collection is imminent and you should definitely sign up at Claire's website www.knitsharelove.com for her newsletter so that you find out about that collection when it when it um, is released. So without further ado, um, here is Sylvie and I. I'll be back at the end of this interview uh, just before the end of the show. Welcome, Sylvie, to KBHQ. I know, I'm <laughs> excited. I've got a lot of interviews here, actually. Um, so, I 
thought it'd be really good to ask mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. just about your background before Phileas Yarns and how you came to become a dyer. Oh, well, background. I've come from a family who has knitted. Okay. Well, the, the women in the family have knitted quite through generations. I mean, I took it mostly from my mom. Uh, although I guess like most people, I kind of lapsed into teenage years and, you know, kind of university to pick it up again in my in my uh, late 20s, early 30s. My mom's picked it up for her grandmother, who was an awesome knitter and, and would do a bit of sewing as well in the family and all. So it's, you know, it's kind of like generational kind of craftiness. craftiness. So always kind of bathed in it, basically. When I started to show an interest again in, in knitting um, as a way to probably just keep busy in the house and things like that, you know, just uh, just I needed to do something and I thought, oh, why yeah. not do that? So It's I, quite nice. I, um, I was the same. I, had, I needed to do something with my hands. Yeah, exactly, you know, and, uh, and it just... And just, my mind uh, as well, I think. <laughs> it, exactly, it's just, you know, it's just... Uh, knitting is such it, a great level. It is, oh, it goodness. is. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so I picked that up and then it just to an obsession like <laughs> like I'm sure many people relate to I used to live in Edinburgh before I moved to York mm-hmm. so that that all happened while I was here in Edinburgh and met Jess before she opened her shop I think Jess just started to um, to organize that knitting group uh, the town mouse Emily Vessel Tin Canets and um, and previously Railborn Loop what there and Nina actually who's now running Rainbow Heirloom they were all part of that knitting group uh-huh. so eventually you know you get to know these designers and then just starting to die and opening her shop and Emily started to die as well and you know you kind of bathe in that kind of ambience and all that and it's all very inspiring I mean I took dying much later when I actually after I moved to York when I just want something in a color that like I could just couldn't find the right fiber with the color that I wanted and all that and I thought you know I just well, I'll give it a go. I mean, and then it just it just grew a little bit mental. It's like, oh yeah, and I wanted to this color, and then you know, and you want. <laughs> so did you quickly know after sort of experimenting with dyeing for the first time that you wanted to become a dyer and to do it as a business? I guess so. Yeah, I think it grew quite quickly that you know, like throwing the first skin of yarn into a little dye bath, and you're like, oh my god, the possibilities, and why not give it a go? I can do it and kids yeah that's fine I'll just take my time and go organize myself but yeah why not I'll give it a go for sure you do this alongside full-time job yes I do so what's your sort of do you have a typical day for dying well I would use my uh, days off of my uh, full-time work uh, to actually do the proper dye day like mm-hmm. dyeing bulk with my little kitchen uh, usually I just I'm probably gonna leave the yarn to soak overnight yeah and then kind of I've just got the one pot so it's a bit of organization oh, so I was gonna ask you how many pots you have so for now I've got just the one but yeah that's fine for now <laughs> um, so yeah I guess in a day I could do maybe three or four batches and how done. many how many skeins per batch is that four or five i wanted to talk ask you about your color inspirations as well because uh-huh. you're so inspired by your travels yes how do you manage to sort of translate those sort of memories and colors and inspirations from your travels into yarn do you use photographs do you do it from memory is it much more sort of sensitive it's, and yes physical? yeah it's much more from 
Well, it's tricky though, because I mean, there's something that is a result of the process of me experimenting and all that. This is why, yeah, usually the, the development of the color can can take quite some time. Yeah. And but I found that I need to give myself a margin of tolerance okay. in a way, in the way it, it would translate, because obviously, like a color on concrete like if it's you know like a building or something obviously it's not going to be the same as on wool no it's just the support is different and the the the, the colors the dyes it just doesn't act doesn't act the same as you know uh, whatever or like mother nature or anything so so yeah there's a margin of tolerance that i need to to set myself and and something I struggle for a couple of colors when I actually have a very concrete reminder of that colors, especially mm-hmm. um, the darker green tamagrit that oh, I have. Yeah. That one I struggle so much because it's a color that comes from a pottery from Morocco. Oh wow! It's like it's the the the, the color that the color makes or whatever they do. The glaze they put on this pottery is just that green, and I have two bowls in my cupboard of the of this color, yeah. and I keep going like have yarn in my one hand and the bone the other is like it's not the same it's not <laughs> it's not right so and yeah and this is what i was struggling the most and then i thought you know i just need to yeah and, eventually, yeah, exactly. and do you ever go right well i just can't do that or i'll come back to that one again or do you yeah sort of sometimes compromise? i need to to take a few steps back before <laughs> i go back to it sometimes it starts at um an inspiration is like, oh, I think I want to recreate that color and all that. And then you put a bit of this, a bit of that, and it's like, turns out it's completely something different. And you're like, what do you know? Actually, that reminds me of something else. That's, and you kind of go on another diversion. That's incredible. And it's like the, yeah. the best sort of, the, the best sort of photo album of your travels it to is. have so all of these yeah. inspirations so definitely created in yarn you know when it's like when you see something in your eye and then you take a picture of it and it never looks quite the same in the picture uh, yeah so to get that into yarn must be even yeah it's, it's something that i found the most rewarding since i've opened the shop and people uh been knitting with my yarn and they i've had some feedbacks when they say that the yarn the color triggered memory from them going to that place and they actually as much by the some colorways for the, the inspiration that it comes yeah. from and why the memories they bring to them and I'm like this is you know this is the it's, best it's another ever. level isn't it it it's is like uh, I always like knitting patterns when the designer tells you where the inspiration has come from and you can I see like that connection story, to them yeah. and the design and then mm. you go on to make that and it becomes meaningful to you as well yeah it's just like the story keeps going on and it keeps being inspiring and i think the colors that you dye are incredible they're just so satisfying Mm -hmm. like the depth of them and like uh, the the reds and the golds particularly the green i feel like they've got such a depth to them you could almost dive into them they're so so glorious do you think since becoming a dyer you view and feel colors differently or have you always had? I've, I've always had a strong attra- attraction to colors. I mean, I don't I don't have any official aesthetic background, but no. I I did. I mean, yeah, I, I touched it all a little bit, like in my uh, in my youth, doing yeah. a little bit of painting, a little bit of pottery, a little yeah. bit of of uh, whatever. And I have basic knowledge of how this, you know, like mm. colors and how to make it work and things like that. And so, so yeah, I've I've got this kind of like understanding and. Uh, artistic kind yeah. of appreciation of uh, of colors and things like that if you like 
so so yeah but yeah i guess it's just more evolved yeah. than it was you know you have it's a, just, a finer maybe a finer eye or, yeah. or colors maybe present themselves to yeah you differently, differently. Yeah, yeah exactly it's just you know i think when you something that you love doing even if you've always loved doing it you grow with it don't you exactly you know yeah now when i see a color that, that i really like and that it's it's just gonna like my brain's gonna trigger it's like oh how can i turn this into a new colorway you know that. as as opposed to oh i like that color that's it <laughs> yeah <laughs> take me yeah pictures it becomes of it. A, a deeper level doesn't it because yeah you know, a level of just... involvement rather than an appreciation in yeah exactly i mean your 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 brain is part of your brain that eyes and uh, the yeah. Ten dyer's brain that is just gonna <laughs> respond to this yeah. differently than than when it wasn't there really. Yeah, oh, I love that because you were recently in Iceland. Have you come uh -huh. back with color inspirations? Yes, <laughs> they might not actually start to get developed later on because yeah. they kind of more darker. Yeah, um, colors are more like kind of wintry uh, inspired. But uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, something we can look forward to perhaps. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They'll be they'll be on the cards definitely, and uh, yeah. And I'm going to Portugal this weekend, so hopefully I'll be oh, yes. uh, I'll be uh, bringing a few things back. So. It really is like a scrapbook mm. for you of your. It like, is. It is. I mean, it's dimension. mostly yeah. It's mostly from places that I've been, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's things that. I would like to go and inspires me. There's, there's actually quite a couple of colors in the in this summer uh, collection that are more like bucket list type of thing. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because as much as you've traveled quite widely, then there are always places oh, you gosh, want, yeah. to, want to go to. Mm -mm. What about your bases? Because you've got some incredible bases, and I talked about them yeah. on the podcast before. Yes. But BFL is a big big one for you, isn't it? Yes. And, and, and also New Merino. Um, yeah, that as well, don't you? Yeah, I just, I just want. I mean, I do like luxury yarn as much as anybody else. Like your cashmere blends and your silk blends and all that. But as a dyer and as I wanted to build my my business, yeah, things, I, I just, I just wanted to keep to yeah, basic if you want. So like really a more higher content of just wool. Yeah, I think at the moment, well, except for the sock yarn, which has a bit of nylon yeah. in it. And uh, the heavy lace, which is 50% BFF, 50% alpaca, mm -hmm. uh, they all 100% wool. That's and awesome. you know, I can I kind of keep want to keep it that way. And yeah. uh, if I introduce further base, it's probably just going to be this high content of wool or just 100% wool. Yeah, just... and I guess the bases that you yeah. choose also have bearing on how the color takes on them. And also, as well. yeah, yeah. This is why usually when I develop, I put a little bit samples of different. Yeah, fiber in it just to see how much it takes. So the merino is going to take it much differently than yeah. the BFL, and depending how the BFL is treated as well, it's just going to take it differently. Yeah, uh, which is quite interesting. It isn't. It yeah. is interesting, but it's just yeah. I think it's. So, I think it's a really good idea so, to yeah. have those kind of keep it keep it woolly and although we yeah. we like a bit of nylon and to make our socks a bit tougher. Oh yeah, but I think your BFL is so high. Nice yeah, high yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I think the BFL is the one that's actually quite people like the most anyway, yeah. and I like the most as well. Yeah. So it's the the luster on it is yes. incredible, and you, you yeah, know, in terms of softness and, Lust and lustrousness, BFL, yes, and, and the drape and the longevity of BFL yeah. as well. It's, it's really an incredible fiber, and I think 
anybody who uses it and dies with it is it's yeah. it's gonna be your sort of bread and butter base, isn't it? Mm. Because people just love it. When you people think a lot of people who think British will first think BFL, I think. Yes. Yes, it is. Obviously, it's not the only it's one, not the but only one. I found the BFL is maybe the one of the most accessible ones mm -hmm. as well, and it's just so good. You know, at it the end of the day, it's like yeah, it might be the the superstar of a British world, but yeah. it's just so flipping good. Yeah, and I think as I say, like it just I really uh, love a BFL. It's yeah, just yeah, and I think that the the sort of it takes dye so well, and I think that's it you know, does. Why your it does it also really deep yeah in that as well and. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely some color. Yeah, it's interesting because there's some colors that I can't dye on some bases, like you know. Way. Yeah, because it just it just looks different, which is pretty. I know there'll be people that actually they, they kind of enjoy that process of how color looks different and all that. Yeah. But I mean, for my purpose anyway, my idea of how one color to come out. Yeah. Because they're based on something <laughs> that's quite concrete. Yeah. Even if it's in my memories of it. It's just, you know, it doesn't I, work, you know. I really like that, and I really like how there are lots of styles in the UK. Everyone's doing their own thing yeah, exactly, and differently, and I just love that you have your colours that you will continue to dye, yeah. and your regular ones, and they just look so incredible on your bases, and people just love them. They yeah, I'm very <laughs> excited to... Uh to be on the road this summer just yeah. for that to actually see them so get let's some talk a feedback. little bit about where you are what you're going to be doing this summer and where people will be able to see you first outing i'll be doing is actually back here in edinburgh Yay. for the <laughs> in the brian crawl organized by jessica of ginger twist studio the crawl includes kathy's nets and uh, be inspired fiber as yeah. well but this year uh, jessica is organizing a little pop-up market that's where you'll be able to find me uh participating in this uh, in Bra yarn crawl and more details to be full I'm sure Jessica yes. will uh, keep everybody updated. So but yeah I'm excited That's about great. that. And that you know last year that although you couldn't come last year because you were done well but there was yes. people who came <laughs> from outside Edinburgh, people who came from the north of England. Yeah because I mean I think I don't know if this people just you know they just feel it's like oh Edinburgh Young Festival, which is so good. We yeah. need a little bit of, you know, a bit of hangover. I think that's of that. What it is. But obviously, the Edinburgh Young Festival is much more informal, yes. which is, you know, so and it's, it's quite nice to take in Edinburgh and see the sights and do this. Yeah, yarn which crawl is yeah, because yeah, it's quite the the, the locations are quite stretched yeah, out to town. So I remember. I mean, I, I wasn't there last year, as you said. I wasn't well. Sadly, <laughs> but I, I was in the first year. This year's the third year, so yeah. I, I was there the first in Bayan It was just beautiful. It was very sunny and quite yeah. mild as well. So it was just yeah, gorgeous, just to you know. And I think get a bit of lunch in the gardens if you want. You know, it's just so chilled out. Then on the 16th and 17th of July, there's a brand new uh, yarn show, yarn festival in Birmingham happening. Ooh. It's called Yarningham. Wow. It's organized by the association Sti Stitches and Hose. Okay. I don't know if you heard about no. them, but they seem quite active in the Birmingham scene. And uh, yes, they are putting up uh, um, a yarn festival over two days in the middle of July. So Brilliant. quite exciting. The, more, yes. more yarn festivals, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I think uh, they, they saw quite a gap in, in what the 
yarn knitting crocheting community needed yeah. in the east midlands mm -hmm. and uh so yeah that's really good oh so, so that would be fantastic nice to be a part of something yeah new, exactly yeah i was really pleased when they got in touch with me i felt so oh my god thank that's you. wonderful <laughs> yes and finally so far i mean this is only uh so far that i know but then yarndell you yarndell! did you do yarndell last year did you just help jess i did okay. i did that was just booth b because obviously oh, i live in York so I was um that's your local festival really it's my local big festival yeah. I mean Yorkshire is quite well served in terms of yarn shows uh, yeah. in general but yeah yarn is obviously the big ones but yeah last year I'd got just like you know if you want to do Yarndale you know just just come around and giving you a good insight into that show it does well. it does it's, it's been quite helpful to yeah to see how actually it works and Yarndale is a packed venue isn't it yeah they, they really do pack everybody in there they really who's going to be in there you know and yeah. it's quite exciting to know that you'll be there with amazing vendors and yeah. amazing makers and, and things like that so you good. know it's so fourth year isn't it of I yarndale I yeah i yeah. believe you're right really enjoyed yarndale the last time i went and um I'd i've always wanted to go again but it does clash with shutland will week and and you, t you talked a little bit about getting feedback ever since you launched it just seems your yarn has been so well received you get a lot of really good feedback yes yes mm. yes definitely i'll get yeah growing following and do yeah, people have just... their favorite colors that they keep on i think back so yeah. yeah i think well i think the golden yellow what is definitely yes. a favorite um but no, like, say, like the, the more vibrant the color the more they like it, i mm. think same with the, the darker blue bedouin i think it's yeah. got popular and the Expedite, obviously, which is the yeah. bright. They just red. vibrate so beautifully. I think there's yeah. just such a harmony to them. As I say, they're so deeply satisfying colors. Yeah, and I think that is what's appealing. And I think people, you, when you look at them, you can readily imagine. I want to jump in that. I want I socks in that. I want. Um, and which is usually when I found out I want to carry on with developing colors. Like I want to knit all the things with that color in yeah. every possible. <laughs> Every yarn way and all of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She knows like, oh yeah, you're a bit overexcited. Well, and I have to say, I love that you do double knit and iron and you do the heavy weights because lots of dyers do sort of focus on the lighter weights. And yeah. I think it's really good to have, especially the irons as well. And I always think, all of Claire Divine's hat patterns when I look at your arms. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, oh, actually, there's a lot. I've seen uh, loads of Claire's pattern. My yarn becoming lots of your class pattern, like yeah. very exciting when you look on Ravelry and you start to see a projects knit with the, your yarn, and it's like you go there, and it's like oh, there's a new one. Oh, that must be amazing! <laughs> and yeah, so there's there's been a few Earl Grays from Claire uh, yeah. knitted in my iron, which that are looking be beautiful. See, and uh, see your yarn elegant. out in the wild, yes, knit in. You know, I had this amazing moment a couple of weeks ago. I was meeting with um, some fellow knitters of big. <laughs> up to the northern knitting powerhouse <laughs> but yeah and i was there and there was like three people like two of them were working whips and one just freshly finished objects wow. with philias yarn and i'm like oh my god i just got a bit emotional that's incredible it's my, yes. no, it must be incredible because it is like you know part of you it you is, know, really, in a way, it definitely comes from your inspirations and part of your memories, in a way, that, yeah. that it's been unleashed into the world. And For some reason, this year at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival, somebody's made a boxy, four-ply boxy, in the St. Expedite. Oh my goodness, And I've somehow incredible. managed not to see it. I don't know, I don't know where I've been. <laughs> 
<laughs> and but I've seen it on Ravelry. It's just the most beautiful thing, and, and I'm obsessed with this now. No, it's like just... I need a boxy four ply. Can again. you imagine the drape on that? Boxy? Exactly, it just looks <sighs> so beautiful. And now that we're talking about designs, is yes. what's coming up with Phyllis Yarns and collaborations? Yes, well. Claire Devine as, uh, is uh, going to be releasing a little, tiny little pattern collection. So she's going to be doing this in collaboration with me, Phyllis Yarn, but also with Travel Knitter. Oh, wow. And I mean, as you know, I've inspired my colors with uh, travels and Travel Knitter is yes. travel. There's travel in it. <laughs> Claire has been on big travels recently, uh, moving from the uh, UK to Australia via South Africa. So uh, she's developed this, um, this, this is going to be, I believe, three socks pattern. Two for sure, maybe three. I don't know quite actually fully how it's going to look. I must yeah. say it's a bit of a surprise for myself as well. But like the, yeah, I think the idea was like travel knitting. Projects for travel knitting. So the socks designed are actually quite easy mm -hmm. to knit, but also quite interesting. It's not just plain vanilla sock or anything keep like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to keep stretched alive. And yes, yeah, so uh, mm -hmm. so in, in yarns that have been inspired by travels as well. So there's like the whole, all around the travel theme. And very, you know, organic around That's incredible. the travel idea, you know, things you can, yeah, you can put in your little project. But I mean, I've got socks on my traveling yeah. project there when we go anywhere doesn't matter if we're just going on a short trade journey or we're going further afield on a plane yeah. or whatever, we do like to make sure that we have the right project and sometimes we will cast on something especially for yeah usually yeah but yeah i and think socks are they're definitely a favorite of mine yeah. and uh, obviously because it's just they're very portable and claire is the sock queen she's the sock master yeah she? she is and it's it's really lovely that um that she's doing this sort of collaboration with two Mm. fantastic indeed um, yeah dyers. people always really look forward to claire's designs i think because yeah got such wide appeal you know i doesn't i think if you're quite relatively new to knitting or you're quite you know experienced knitter her patterns have something that really really keep your interest and have something that's so appealing and i think she always picks fantastic yarns yeah she's have. very supportive of of her local yarns yeah, or you yeah. know like even if it's not particularly local but like indie dyers yeah. and then or like smaller businesses or if they're bigger businesses they, they're good businesses yeah. i mean she, she's been supporting western suspenders or blacker yarn for example and you know yes exactly. they're kind of bigger but they, they, they're worth it um so yeah definitely. it's definitely good for that she's definitely good for that and uh and her patterns always well written as well yeah um each one of our patterns you go yeah i want to knit that it doesn't matter if there's mm. slightly new technique that you haven't done before or if it's you know like the fact that her um sock and book has just got you know every question you might want to ask about how you put socks know, together that's a really good it's book. just such a good toolkit book it is and i think once when whenever our patterns come out you just want to knit them because they've just got that wide appeal and that mm. um you know always something different but always something so so very appealing so knittable um <laughs> and it's and, it, and it's true as you say um you know they look fantastic whether you knit them in 
uh, indie dyed luxury yarn or if you knit them in the most fantastic commercial West Church Spinners Air Valley or whatever they're just so well suited to To, every exactly (laughs) I'm just very excited to see this project coming out so June's going to be big like summer is kicking off Big yeah. time in June. So. It's lovely to have the socks sort of on the precipice of Indiebody Yarn Crawl and, you know, yeah. have that little collection. So I've got a little sneak peek for you of the, actually the new, some new colorways. Oh, look at those. Oh, my in goodness. In development. That's incredible. So, yeah. So, the exclusivity is like the yarn base is actually a BFL bamboo sock yarn. I was going to say there looks to be something yeah, else so in there. Yeah, it's 80% <gasps> BFL and 20% bamboo. Look at that. That's incredible. So, what do you want to talk about the colors or uh, will we keep it a secret just now? That I'll I can keep just, it a secret yeah. for now because I'm, yeah, this still, this them. is like squished in. <laughs> that's as much the, as you the, get yeah that's lovely oh my goodness me that's so summery yeah do you know what i want that in an ice cream cone <laughs> it does isn't that's it? so yeah so that and i've gone yeah for a very summery feel there should be should be hopefully another one or two uh, colorways for the collection that's i know this gorgeous. is in socks yeah oh my gosh that's gonna be yeah we can so talk be- about these two ones this one is still very it's much a, it's we've got a, a kind of like pink color which is um which i based myself from travels in morocco again as i'm morocco yeah. i love morocco people you it's, oh, it's and gorgeous. you know but like you found is like this pink that you find in the mediterranean on the on the the, the, the streets and all that like the, yeah. the houses in the mediterranean it's, all that, it's that almost kind of like, like dusty pink dusty coral almost yeah it's gorgeous so, it reminds yes. me of not morocco but the um city of petra you know also, the- yeah <laughs> but then yeah definitely that's beautiful and it's bamboo and bfl yes which is just even more lustrous but it's going to make a really naturally strong sock yarn yeah and i think i'm going to give a i know it's going to give it a good drip if you make it as a garment or a shawl or things like that and quite airy as well because bamboo is quite fresh it is going to be fresh and so drapey how mm. beautiful and this one this one is a bit of a minty green color yeah uh, which is more of a, a travel bucket wanderlust inspiration of me sitting in front of the travel channel one day and there was this show do you know there was this show about like luxury houses in oh, yeah. like like the bahamas or whatever and they were in barbados and and the house which is that green it's called well there's actually a color it's called nassau green oh, from nassau, nassau in yeah. barbados and i'm like oh my god that color <laughs> That's gorgeous. And, you know, doing a bit of research, actually, because my, my sister, she lives in Reunion Island, which is in the Indian Ocean. And th- there's loads of houses in that green as well. It seems to be, like, kind of tropical Yeah, it's tropical. It's color. lush, though. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's but like a... Fresh yeah, and... sometimes you <laughs> don't need to go anywhere to uh, travel. Just no. And get inspired. Exactly. Just well, watch exactly. a travel channel. Exactly. And then, and then buying travel-inspired yarn. You don't need yeah, to go too far. Exactly. To... <laughs> That's gorgeous. And this one is nice, too, but we won't talk about that. But the feel no. of them... Yeah. It's lovely. Yeah, it's just so, so nice. Thank you Judy for showing me that. That's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, so where else is on your bucket list? Oh gosh, everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I definitely need to uh, explore the Americas a bit more. This mm. is, I mean, I've been quite a few times to Asia. I've been to Africa. I love to go back to Africa, though. I love Africa. Uh, Europe, obviously, quite yeah. a bit. Um, North America, I've been once and I should be going back later on this year, hopefully. 
all goes well. Uh, but yeah, like Central South America, love wow. to go to. Um, hopefully one day as well, I make it to like Australia, New Zealand yeah. area. You know, I just I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm just already pitching. The rainbow colors yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you know once you've been to all these other countries and every country you could have collections you could have the america's collection yeah, and the yes. European collection oh yeah there's the... uh don't worry there's lots of ideas buzzing in that yeah, little head of mine and, uh, <laughs> yeah well yeah it's such a shining collection of yarns that you dye and Ooh. yeah that, like more people if you if you haven't I don't know if you haven't seen Philly's yarns where have you been um <laughs> but you have an Etsy shop do you want to say where your all your online places are oh yes yeah, so uh Etsy shop so it's just go on to the generic Etsy and type Philly's yarn yeah. it will come out and then uh, I'm on as Philly's yarn you find me on Twitter mm-hmm. Facebook yep and uh, well, Ravelry as well. I've got my yeah. yarny page as Phileas Yarn. Uh, Instagram is the other social media I use quite a bit, but I'm there as um, Sylvie underscore La Belle V, mm-hmm. all in one word, uh, which is also my personal profile on Ravelry. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And and do you get people to hashtag to Yeah, you... hashtag Phileas Yarn throughout, yeah. really, yeah. And uh, you also blog as well. Oh of course, yes. Yeah. I blog so that'd be uh Phileas And everyone can read about your recent trip uh, to you. Iceland. Oh, yes. I'm so jealous. And so much to say I had to do three posts on my website. So much to say. <laughs> Thank you so very much for coming to Thank you so very much to Sylvie for coming round to Knit British. She brought most fantastic biscuits as well. Um, It was really, really lovely uh, and quite overdue, actually. I will have a review of one of Sylvie's yarns coming up on the Knit British blog very shortly. I had the absolute pleasure of knitting with her double knit Blueface Lester. Um, so I expect a review very soon on that. Again, I want to say thanks to Sylvie for coming round and um, talking uh, so much about her colour inspirations. And I think uh, what I was talking about with Sylvie about knowing where inspiration comes from um, has even more meaning. And I think that also applies to what I was talking to uh, with Carrie about in terms of her book and her inspirations it really does add more meaning to the things that we create I think if we know the story there and then we let the story carry on so thanks very much Sylvie now I am going to go I will be back with the podcast on July the 15th I will still be doing things on knitbritish.net in terms of blogging and at the Knit British Ravelry group uh, but we'll be working behind the scenes um, on some upcoming fantasticness for the podcast until the next time we meet take very good care I hope you have an awesome few weeks chat soon Thanks for listening to the Knit British podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lira. Take care of that throw. You're a big singing star now, Really? Where I stand, the sun is shining all over the place.